Hello everyone and welcome to episode 57 of Infraction, our true crime podcast. I'm Nadia. And I'm Sally. And today's episode is a listener suggestion, Sal, from none other than our very own Neris Nabs. Oh, she's made the list. <laughs> she has. Um, so thank you very much, Nez, for this listener suggestion. Um, before we begin, I should note that a large amount of the chronology for this case has come from a really informative blog piece on the Talk Murder With Me blog, as well as various YouTube clips of interviews with the victim's mother. All the sources that I've used are, as always, linked in the description box. So today's case starts on the 17th of March, 1999, when Lauren and Barry Badner welcomed their son, Breck Badner, into the world. Lauren and Barry were originally from the US, but they moved to Surrey in England three years before Breck was born, because Barry got a very good job over here. As a toddler, Breck loved to take things apart and put them back together. He did it in such a meticulous way that his parents nicknamed him Techie Brecky. Lauren said that those early years when Breck was a toddler were the happiest that she had ever been. She had spent years trying to have a baby, and Breck had brought so much light into her life. Less than three years after Breck was born, Lauren luckily got pregnant again, this time with triplets. In 2002, Sebastian, Carly and Chloe were born, and overnight the Bedner family doubled in size. Breck loved being an older brother to his three younger siblings, and he missed them when he had to start going to school. Unfortunately, when Breck was nine, his parents split up and his father moved out. The family stayed very close and Breck and his siblings still saw their father a lot, but Lauren was under a huge amount of pressure to raise four children under the age of ten by herself. Breck focused himself at school and excelled academically. Over the years, he also formed a very large circle of friends and spent a lot of time with them in person or online gaming together. Breck had really managed to perfectly balance the social and academic parts of his life. He went to church every Sunday with his family and spent time with his mother and her friends when she had social gatherings and parties at the house. The family seemed to be doing very well. When the triplets were a bit older, Lauren got a job as a teaching assistant at the primary school in Surrey where Breck and his siblings went. She also started dating and met a man who the children got along with. Things appeared to be going very well for Breck and his family, and they had found a good balance splitting time between their mother and their father. Sadly, things didn't stay this way for long, for reasons that I don't think have been disclosed, although Lauren has cited family circumstances in interviews. Breck changed schools when he was in year nine. He was very sad when he changed schools and he lost his close group of friends. This was around 2013 when Breck was 14, and Lauren began to see a difference in her son's mood and behaviour. She thought that he was upset about having had to move schools, but after a couple of weeks he was invited into an online gaming group with the boys that he had known since he was in year four. This, Lauren believed, was a positive thing. However, things started to change when Breck started gaming on the server. Breck began to isolate himself and he stopped seeing his friends in real life, although at this point he was still quite vocal with his mother. He told his mum all about this friend who he'd met online, this boy named Lewis. He said that Lewis was in the exclusive gaming group that he was part of and that he worked for the US government. Lauren asked him how old this boy was. 
She had noticed a deeper voice in the chat on the odd occasion when she'd been walking past Breck's room, but had chalked it up to the fact that the boys were all getting deeper voices at that age. She was concerned given that this guy was saying that he worked for the US government and Breck and his other friends were only 13 and 14. Breck said that Lewis was 17 or 18. Lauren, of course, was very confused, but she let it slide a little bit. Then things started to change even more. Breck sat for hours on end in his room, playing online on this exclusive server. When Breck spoke to his mother, it was mainly in grunts or yes or no answers to her questions. He stopped engaging in conversations with her and he stopped hanging around with his siblings too. Lauren couldn't understand why Breck was so miserable all the time. He spent all his time online playing games with his friends, only to emerge from his room at mealtimes and be incredibly sullen. Lauren pushed for information from her son, and on occasion, he would open up about the things that Lewis had said. He said that Lewis had made £2 million in Bitcoin and that he'd given it all to the Syrian rebels. Lauren told her son to calm down. £2 million was a lot of money. She could see how much Breck respected Lewis though and she began to worry and soon Breck began to change even more. He went from being very sullen and moody to being very vocal about some new views that he had. When Sunday rolled around and the family went to church, Breck said that he wasn't going to go anymore. He told his mother that Lewis had told him that he shouldn't have to go to church if he didn't believe in God. Lauren was taken aback by this. Breck had been raised a Christian, and church on Sundays was something the family had always done together. This pained Lauren. She told Breck that when he was an adult, he could do what he wanted to do, but for now, church was just one hour a week, and she would really appreciate if he still attended. She said she found this incredibly difficult, because most of the teens of Breck's age had stopped going to church at that point, and she just wanted him to hold out for a little bit longer. She was stuck between trying to work out whether Breck was just going through a normal hormonal teenage boy phase or whether Lewis was actually influencing his thoughts and manipulating his movements. Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? Because some parts of what you're describing sound like almost reminiscent of my brother in his gaming years, but actually other parts sound almost like he's possibly kind of being groomed. Yeah, and I think that's the concern that Lauren was really having. Like, in the back of her mind, she really did think that that uh, Breck was being groomed, but she had kind of no real substantiated evidence for that. And I think she found it quite difficult because everyone that she spoke to was just like, oh, he's just a teenage boy. Like, of course, he's online playing games. Whereas she was saying like, no, I can, I can tell him there's a massive difference in him and he's, you know, changing all of his views. But of course, like with the church thing... It is difficult to know, isn't it? Like, is this someone manipulating his thoughts and changing him or is he just being a teenage boy? I just feel so sorry for her because I think at this point she just had no idea what to do and how to handle it. And of course, she had three other children who she was raising at the same time as well. Yeah, and it's a whole new thing, I think, as well, for um, to, to understand the like online gaming world bearing in mind that actually like our parents generation this wasn't something that really existed for them so and suddenly people can speak to people all over the world and it's very hard to kind of censor it and monitor it and stuff so yeah I imagine it'd be hugely challenging for her exactly exactly that and and Breck had been saying that Lewis was 
in the US and like working out of New York and like gaming with them from New York. So in her mind, she kind of felt like, well, he then he is kind of like more safe than if this Lewis guy was in, in England. But of course, yeah, like you said, she really had no idea and she had no idea if this Lewis boy was 17 or 18 or if he was an older man grooming Breck over this server, like with all his other friends. And unfortunately this continued and the changes in Brett continued and he began to spend more and more time in his room away from his brother and sisters and away from his mother. Lauren did her best to coax him out of his room but anytime he came out he was moody, sullen and not a nice person to be around. When she walked into his room when he was gaming Breck always said my mum's come into the room to hint to the boys to stop talking. Occasionally, the boy Lewis that Breck was talking to would speak to Lauren and ask her questions and chat her up a bit, but on other occasions he would just mute himself until Lauren had gone. Speaking to Lewis lulled Lauren into a false sense of security, and she felt somewhat safe in the knowledge that Lewis supposedly lived outside of the UK and wasn't anywhere close to where Breck was in Surrey. However, he slowly isolated himself even more, he stopped leaving the house apart from to go to school and he stopped leaving his bedroom almost completely. Breck only came out of his room for meal times, and he stopped doing his chores. He told his mother that Lewis had told him that he shouldn't have to clean up anywhere except his bedroom because he hadn't been in the lounge or the kitchen and so why should he have to tidy those areas? Lauren often heard Breck inside his room speaking to other people and when she asked him how he was talking to them, he said that it was through a program called TeamSpeak. TeamSpeak works in a way much like a conference call does, where the host starts a call for specific users to dial into, and the host controls who is involved in the call. Lewis was always the host, and the six boys involved in the calls and the games were always the same. Lewis took great power over being in control, and would often kick one of the boys out of the call and out of the game. When they'd been kicked out, Lewis would talk to the other boys and get them to mock the boy who had been kicked out of that game. He used a lot of manipulation tactics to turn the boys against each other and gain control over them. However, he rarely kicked Breck out of the group. Breck was deemed to be Lewis's favourite and this made Breck feel very good about himself, feeling as if he was the chosen one. It became important for the boys to compete to be Lewis's favourite and soon the boys, who had been friends for years, began to turn against each other. Then, over the summer holidays, Breck told his mother that he didn't want to attend Air Cadets anymore, something that he had been doing since he was very little. Lauren didn't know it at the time, but this was because of the infighting that was happening within the group of boys, and most of those boys also attended Air Cadets. Breck was being slowly isolated from his group of friends, and he was losing everything around him outside of his gaming circle. Over a period of several months, most of the boys began to detach themselves from the group. They were fed up that Breck was being singled out as the golden player and that Lewis kept messing around with them all and kicking them out of the group. The boys slowly started missing the gaming sessions one by one and soon it was only Breck and one other boy left there with Lewis. The other boys spoke to Breck about Lewis and told him that he was controlling and weird and that Breck should stop speaking to him but he refused to listen to his friends. He thought that they were just being jealous because Lewis had become closest to him and he hadn't liked the others as much as he'd liked Breck. The boys stopped their communication with Lewis, but Breck's communication with him increased. 
Breck began to speak about Lewis regularly at home with his family. He told his mother that he wasn't going to finish school because Lewis was going to get him an apprenticeship at Microsoft when he turned 16. Lauren became increasingly more concerned about her son's ever-changing mood and his constant talk about Lewis. She would speak to her friends and other parents at the school and she said that she feared that Breck was being groomed, quote, by a 40-year-old paedophile sat in his pants hoping to get one of the boys, end quote. She said that she tried to raise it with Breck, but that everything she said just made it sound like she was being really judgmental and it just pushed Breck further away. All her friends just told her that he was being a teenage boy and that teenage boys spend all their time online gaming and that's just normal. They said that he would grow out of it once he grew up and met girls. Lauren still felt so unsure. She was certain that Lewis was not who he said he was, so she began restricting Breck's computer access. She straight up told Breck that she thought that Lewis was a paedophile and that he was lying to Breck about everything. Breck was furious at this assertion and found ways to continue speaking to Lewis behind his mother's back. Yeah, because I think, sure, spending a lot of time online, etc., probably is a very normal teenage boy thing. But actually, at this point, like we've heard, he isn't spending it online gaming with his friends. He's spending it online gaming with a man who, as Lauren quite rightly is worrying about, no one really knows who he is. And he's clearly, you know, the fact that the other boys have stopped playing with him as a parent must be a big alarm bell. It's like, well, hang on, they all love gaming too. Why are they not playing in this group anymore? Yeah, exactly. And I think it was so difficult for Lauren to try and explain that to Breck because he was just so adamant that the only reason that the boys had left was because, you know, Breck was the chosen one and that he was a better player. And like, it's not, you know, Breck's fault kind of thing that Lewis kind of favoured him over the other boys. And I think it was so difficult. Lauren tried to explain that to Breck, but he just didn't see it that way. He was just like, no, like I am just better than them. And it's not my fault almost like that they can't keep up. Um, why should I have to lose my friendship with Lewis just because these boys like have decided they don't like him? And I think it was really difficult because, yeah, Lauren could absolutely tell that there was a massive wedge being driven between Breck and basically every single other person in his life by Lewis. Yeah, absolutely. Next, things got even more difficult for Lauren when Breck showed her a two-page manifesto that he said that he'd written and on it was a list of all the things that Breck felt he should no longer do in and out of the home. These were things like chores and attending church and other things like that. This was completely out of character and the language used was different to how Breck had ever spoken. Things were written such as, quote, I'm going to get an apprenticeship at Microsoft when I'm 16 and there is nothing you can do to stop me and if you do try to stop me, I'll simply run away from home, end quote. Lauren was hurt and taken aback by this manifesto. She tried to reason with Breck and explained that she hadn't once said that Breck couldn't do the apprenticeship but that he was only 14 and that finishing school had to be on his agenda first. When she took a closer look at the Microsoft document, she noticed that the document said that it was written by Lewis Danes and edited by Lewis Danes. She knew that Breck hadn't written the document and now she had Lewis's surname. In December 2013, Lauren was aware that her son was still talking to Lewis and so she decided to take action. She phoned 101, the non-emergency police line, and asked to be put through to Surrey Police. 
She told the handler who took her call that she believed that her son was being groomed online by a predator and that this man was likely grooming her son for sex. Lauren had Lewis's full name and she told the handler that he was called Lewis Danes. She explained that her son was being groomed on a gaming server, but then she was very taken aback when the handler started asking her questions about what a server was and Lauren slowly realised that the handler wasn't actually listening to what Lauren was saying at all. Lauren asked to be put through to someone who she could speak to about online grooming, but the handler said that they didn't have a department like that and that she would have to take the notes and then she would pass it on to the correct team. Lauren also expressed to the call handler that she had heard Lewis and Breck talking about anti-government beliefs as she told the officer about how Lewis had turned her son away from his religion. She said that if he wasn't grooming her son for sex, then maybe he was grooming him to carry out terrorist attacks. The handler asked Lauren if maybe Breck could just start using a different website. Lauren was at her wit's end. She explained that Breck wasn't using any kind of website, that it was a gaming server, and that there was little she could do to stop her son talking to Lewis. The handler on the end of the phone took down all of what Lauren was saying and said that she had noted the urgency of the matter. She assured Lauren that police checks on Lewis Danes would be carried out and if their searches flagged anything suspicious, they would open a police investigation. She assured Lauren three times that she would look into police intelligence and if Lewis Dame's name was on there, they would open a police investigation. Lauren didn't hear anything back from the police and Brett continued to be groomed by Lewis, despite Lauren's best efforts to stop her son accessing the gaming server where he spoke to him. Lauren tried her best to coax Breck out of his room, and on occasion he would join the family for some time together. He also started seeing his dad again more regularly, and Lauren saw this change as a positive one. Unfortunately, behind closed doors, Breck was still being groomed by Lewis, and this became apparent when Breck's attitude and mood started to change again. Lauren asked Breck if he was still talking to Lewis, and he said that yes, he was. Lauren decided to take matters into her own hands and she did the thing that she had been threatening to do for so long. She confiscated Breck's computer. She also organised a meeting with Breck, his father and another boy and his parents. She wanted it to be a big meeting with lots of parents of kids who were online gaming, but the other parent told her to keep the meeting small. With hindsight, Lauren realised that this was because that father didn't want the community to know that his son gamed too much and therefore the meeting was just with Breck's family and the other boy's family. This boy was one of Breck's friends, and he had also been using the gaming server that Lewis ran. Breck told Lewis about this meeting, and Lewis told Breck to record the entire conversation on his iPod Touch, which Breck did. During the meeting, Lauren stated how worried she was that Lewis was not who he said he was, and that he was grooming Breck, to which the others in the group agreed. The other parents said that Lewis was a liar and that Lewis made up a lot of things and that he was manipulative and Lauren and Barry tried to explain to their son and his friend that they were being groomed by Lewis and that they were certain that Lewis was not who he said he was. Lauren, Barry and the other parents said that they would be happy to meet Lewis just to see that he was who Breck thought he was. They said that they'd be happy to meet him in a public place and that that way they would know that Breck was safe. Breck said that there was no way that Lewis would meet his parents. 
Lewis hated Breck's parents and thought that they were too judgmental and were no good for him. Lauren said that if there was no way to meet Lewis, then they would have to ban Breck from all online gaming. Lauren made it very clear that she did not believe that Lewis was who he said he was. They couldn't find any photos of him online. He never went on video chat, even though he asked Breck to always have his video on. Lauren said that Breck had to stop gaming on Lewis's server because she just couldn't keep him safe from him. Breck and his other friend agreed to stop gaming with Lewis. They said that there was another server that they could go on. They said that it wouldn't be as good, but they would do it. Both the parents felt much better and safer and felt like they might have just fixed the problem. Breck, however, sent the recording of the whole conversation to Lewis, convinced that he was who he said he was and that his parents were just paranoid and just wanted to stop him speaking to him. Lewis listened to the recorded conversation and realised that Breck's parents were on to him. Lewis stopped speaking to Breck for about a month and during this time things became very positive at home for Lauren. She had started to retrain in a different career as she needed more money than a teacher's assistant salary and Breck was helping her with her courses. During that time, Breck also moved out of the room that he shared with his brother and he got his own room that Lauren and Breck redecorated together. Lauren was incredibly happy. She heard Breck online still gaming and speaking to his friends, but she never heard Lewis's deep voice again and she was certain that Breck was not back in contact with him. However, unbeknownst to Lauren, Lewis was easing his way back into Breck's life. He resurfaced at the end of January and he told Breck that he was poorly and that he was dying and that he was worried because he didn't want his company to go under. Oh, for God's sake. He asked Breck if he was willing to take over the company. He told Breck that he was the smartest boy he knew and that he only trusted him with it. This was everything that Breck had ever dreamed of. Lewis played right into the dream life that he knew Breck wanted. He wanted to be in the tech industry and having a company to run all by himself, a company that Lewis had built up from the ground and was going to give it to Breck, was a dream come true. The last trip Breck ever took was during the school half-term in February 2014, where he went on an exchange trip to Spain. His father picked him up from the airport afterwards and he spent that weekend at home with his father and triplet siblings. The triplets told their mum afterwards that Breck was so unbelievably happy when they'd picked him up from the airport and they said that he had gotten his first girlfriend. There was a photo on Facebook that Breck had posted of him and a girl with their heads close together and the triplets thought that that's why Breck was so happy. Unfortunately, this photo sparked something aggressive in Lewis. He sent Breck a string of emails calling him a slag telling him that the photo made it look like he had slept with the girl and that he should remove the photo from Facebook right away. He went crazy and he said that he needed to see Breck that weekend before he went home to his mother's. On the 16th of February 2014, Lewis and Breck put a plan in place to meet in person, just over a year since the pair had first met online. So at this point though, does Breck still think Lewis lives in the States? It's so hard to tell, but like, no, I don't think so because he would always change where he said he was gaming in from. So he would say, most of the time he would say he was in New York, but sometimes he was saying his Dubai, he was in Dubai and sometimes he would say he was in Syria or in London. So presumably at this point, Lewis has convinced Breck that he is in the UK. Okay. 
So Breck didn't tell anyone that he was planning to meet Lewis because Lewis had told him that their meeting needed to be a secret. It was coming up to Breck's 15th birthday and it was time for Lewis to hand over his multi-million pound company to Breck. Lewis told Breck that this was top secret and that he needed to come over without anyone knowing so that he could teach Breck what he needed to do with the company. Breck told his dad that he was going to spend that Sunday over at a friend's house. He said that he was going to his friend Tom's house to build a computer server. His dad said that he could go. At 7am on that Sunday morning, Breck got into a taxi. This taxi did not take him to Tom's house. It instead drove him 30 miles away to Grays in Essex, where Lewis lived. That evening, Breck messaged his dad and said, You'd be so proud of me. We're working on our computers and I've upgraded my operating system. Please can we keep working on it and I stay the night here? Breck's dad said yes. The next morning, Barry Badner texted and called his son, looking for some idea on when his son was coming home. For a little while, he assumed that Breck had slept in late, given that he'd just been away in Spain for a week. However, as time began to tick on, Barry became increasingly more worried and increasingly more annoyed. He phoned Lauren and said that he was mad that Breck wasn't home. Barry had to go into London for work and Breck was meant to be home by 10am to look after the triplets. Lauren called her son, but his phone was dead. On the other side of Surrey to where Barry was sitting, calling and texting his son, Breck's friends began receiving horrifying messages. The members of the gaming group began to receive photos of a body covered in blood. As more and more photos were received, it became increasingly obvious to the group of boys that the images were of Breck. Oh my fucking God. Why would he be sending it to the boys though? Surely at this point he's just alerting everyone to like what's going on. I honestly have no idea and it's so horrifying because... Within minutes, these photos had basically been leaked and they like circulated around the other students within the school. Um, and tragically, they were also sent to Breck's 12-year-old triplet siblings with people forwarding the images onto them and asking them if it was true that their brother had been murdered. <gasps> At roughly the same time that these horrifying images were being circulated around the school, the Essex police received a chilling phone call from Lewis Danes. Essex Police Emergency. Hi there. Um, okay. Uh, hello. Um, I need police and a forensics team to my address, please. What do you mean? What's happened? My friend and I got into an altercation and I'm the only one who came out alive. Are you telling me you've killed somebody? Yes, I am. Right, and who am I speaking to? My name is Lewis Danes, I'm 18 years old and I live... Holy shit, so he's just called to report himself. He sounds very odd, doesn't he? Incredibly calm. I'm really surprised that he's 18 as well, that's not what I expected. Um, God, how... I mean, you can hear the police handlers as shocked as... I feel like what a bizarre call. Yeah, so that that isn't the entire call. So the whole nine uh, nine 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 call is about six minutes long, and I won't play the entire thing. But basically, in it, Lewis states several times um, that Breck had come to stay with him because he was quote fed up with his home life. 
Lewis told the 999 responder that Lewis and Breck had both gone to bed, but that they'd woken up that morning and that Breck had still been feeling down. Lewis said that he'd hugged him and that Breck shrugged him off and that Breck didn't want to go home and that he was fed up with his life and he didn't want to go. He kept repeating it like that. He kept saying that he was fed up of being home. He just wanted to be somewhere else. And then Lewis said that in his room, adjacent to his bed, he has a chest of drawers. He told the responder that on that chest of drawers, he has a TV, an aftershave and also a pen knife. He said that Breck picked it up and opened it and then, quote, lost control. The responder asked if Breck had opened the knife to harm himself, but Lewis said, quite aggressively in my opinion, no, he opened it to harm me and he lost control. Lewis then said this. I, in self-defence, put my left arm up to block him from stabbing me effectively. We struggled. I got him to the ground. He got up, I got the knife. Can you you not interrupt me with this part? Okay, go on. Okay, this is being recorded anyway, isn't it? Yep. I grabbed the knife and I stabbed him once in the back of the neck, I believe somewhere near the brainstem. He turned around, he tried to carry it on. And I, I think I stumbled on my chest of drawers. I fell over. I got back up, backed away, and then I, I don't remember exactly what happened, but the fight ended with me cutting his throat. I believe I turned around and I slashed his throat. Now, he fell. He fell face first on my bed. I tried to stop the bleeding. Yep. He fell onto the floor. Yep. I couldn't stop it. His throat was properly cut. And he's still on the floor. Yes. That is just so odd. I mean, that level of like detail and recollection is very graphic and very bizarre, isn't it? And you kind of you're almost a bit torn of being like, is this someone who um, has got kind of a very like specific memory who's actually recounting very carefully because he's very intent, isn't he, on not being interrupted. And it's almost like, is he just very focusedly um, like envisaging what had happened or is has he spent a long time calculating like a plausible lie that he's almost possibly kind of got written down maybe? Like... It's because there's no emotion in his voice at all, is there? He's very factual about it. Yeah, incredibly factual. What a strange thing to say. Like, I stabbed him in the neck, I think near the brainstem. That is very bizarre. I think, yeah, it's definitely more that he has either, not necessarily like he's written it down, but that he knows exactly what he wants to say. And like, like I said, the call is about six minutes long. And during it, the responder is... She keeps interrupting him. She keeps saying like, wait, I need to write this down. What happened here? What happened there? And he's getting increasingly more irritated with her. And I think it is, like you said, because she's interrupting the story that he's kind of in his brain concocted so well and he kind of had it all scripted in his head. And now she's like interrupting him, which is why I think when he's then describing the actual murder, I think that's why he says, can you not interrupt me for this bit? Because it's almost like he needs to get it like right exactly how he's planned it in his head, which is obviously like a massive red flag yeah absolutely 
So next in the call, Lewis said to the responder that he dropped the knife in the hallway and then he, quote, stripped off and went and sat in the shower. Lewis then said, are the police on their way? I can hear sirens. The operator said, yes, but you need to stay on the call. Lewis cut her off and very calmly said, thank you for your help. And then he hung up the phone. Shortly after Lewis hung up the phone, the police arrived at his home to a horrifying scene. It was clear from the beginning that everything Lewis had said on the phone had been a lie. There had been no signs of a struggle or any indication that Breck had tried to take his own life or even that Breck had tried to attack Lewis because Breck's hands and feet were bound with duct tape. (gasps) It's unclear if Breck's body was found naked, but the police reported that they had found his clothes in a bin bag covered in blood. They also revealed that there were signs of, quote, sexual activity, but it has never been disclosed what the police meant by this, presumably because Breck was underage at just 14 years old. I don't understand why, because why why say all of that on the call if there's been no attempt to, like, produce a crime scene that backs up what he says? That's just insane. Isn't it? I don't, I don't know either. I... I... I have no answers for that because, yeah, it's not even like, like it would be better to lie and say that someone came in and did this. Do you know what I mean? If like his feet and hands are bound, but you can't say that he was trying to kill himself slash kill Lewis. And then, yeah, the police come and it's quite clear that he he was completely helpless and, you know, he couldn't even fight back because of the way that Lewis had bound his body. It's just disgusting. It's just awful. How horrific. So the police arrested 18-year-old Lewis Danes at the scene and he was taken into custody. The police had to make very difficult phone calls to Breck's family to notify them that their son had been killed. This was made all the more tragic given that it was Lauren's birthday. Oh my God. During the police investigation, a number of very troubling facts came to light. I mentioned earlier that Lauren had called the non-emergency police line to report Lewis Danes when Breck had been speaking to him. She was told that they would do a police check against Lewis's name and if anything troubling came up, they would open a police investigation. The operator who took this call didn't do anything with the information that she had been given. If she had searched their records for Lewis Dane's name, she would have discovered that Lewis Danes had previously been accused of five different counts of rape in 2011. It later came to light that these five charges against Lewis, which were not pursued in court due to lack of evidence, included attempted rape and engaging a person in sexual activity without consent. The Essex police, at the time of the alleged sexual assaults and rape in 2011, decided not to investigate the matter further, although they had a record of the accusations on their database. If Lauren's call had been actioned properly at the time, then it's quite likely that an investigation would have been undertaken and Lewis's motives would have been revealed much sooner this would have likely saved Breck's life. As it happened, when Lewis had got off the phone with the 999 responder, that call we heard earlier, he had submerged his computer, hard drive and other encrypted phones and laptops in water and so the data on them was unreadable. It was assumed that he had been grooming other boys too, although this could not be proven. Other investigations by the police revealed that Lewis had bought a syringe condoms and duct tape shortly before his meeting with Breck. The police believed that there had been a clear sadistic and sexual motive to Lewis's crimes. The police also discovered a Facebook message from Lewis to Breck shortly before Breck had come to the house. 
The Facebook message read, quote, If your father asks you where you're going on Sunday, say you're going to meet a friend of yours who's 14. His name is Edward. He moved last year here with his mother when his parents split up. He was a good friend of yours for the first part of year nine and he's invited you over to his dad's house for the day whilst he visits his father in England. His father also said that you might be able to stay the night depending on their plans. Also, in casual conversation, to have your father afford more support to you visiting a friend, just say that I've spent too many half-terms and holidays indoors, I'm going to spend this one outside with my friends. That should help him understand and allow you to go. If your father wants specifics when you're at mine, just say that you were at two U-Tree Drive in Carterton, end quote. So this kind of, for me, was so chilling to see this actual message because it really just showed how much, obviously, Lewis had deep-rooted himself in Breck's life and was manipulating him that much, but how much he desperately wanted Breck to lie to his family just to get to see him. Do you know what I mean? It was just so meticulous and manipulative. Well, I think it's just very calculated, isn't it? Like, I mean, there's premeditated and then there's this, which is just an insane level of thought that's gone into it. And I think it's very atypical, isn't it? I just, this isn't the work of a kind of, I don't know, someone who's not thought about this before or is like, has completely, I don't know, normal psychology, I guess. Do you know what I mean? Like, that is just bizarre to have to go as far as to like imagine a persona for the for a lie it's just really strange like he was a first good friend of yours for the first half of the I mean how odd and terrifying is that it's just chilling to hear yeah it is really chilling chilling is completely the right word and that's how I felt when I read it and I'll um I th- there's a, a screenshot of that message Facebook message which I'll put on the socials um but yeah it's just yeah very chilling and very calculated So, for the best part of the police investigation, whilst Lewis was remanded in custody, he denied murdering Breck and said that it had been an accident. His trial was scheduled for November 2014, and his pre-trial hearing was scheduled shortly before this. During the pre-trial hearing, the prosecution stated that there was a sadistic nature to the murder, as well as a sexual motive, and they referenced the fact that Lewis Danes had bought condoms and duct tape prior to meeting up with Breck. When Lewis Daines was asked how he wanted to plead, the prosecutors were shocked when he entered a guilty plea for the murder of Breck Bedner. Up until that moment, he had strenuously denied his guilt. Lewis Daines was sentenced to life with a minimum term of 25 years in prison. During the sentencing, Mrs Justice Cox said, Having lured the young victim to your flat, you murdered him. You had befriended Breck and a number of other adolescent friends through an online community. I'm sure that this murder was driven by sadistic or sexual motivation. End quote. Breck Bedner was buried on March 17th, 2014, the day that should have been his 15th birthday. A fund set up in his name has generated tens of thousands of pounds, with £25,000 raised in just a matter of weeks when it was first set up. Breck's family have used the money to fund computer education for young people as Breck had such a big passion for the possibilities offered by technology. The money has also been used to educate young people on how to responsibly use technology. After the trial ended, Barry and Lauren sued both the Surrey and Essex Police Departments for failing to protect Breck. 
the Essex Police Department actually reported themselves to the IPCC, so the Independent Police Complaints Commission. And the IPCC investigated both the Essex and Surrey police and found that there were failings with regards to the procedures that they had in place for taking calls from parents regarding concerns for their children. The IPCC found that the person within Surrey police who had taken Lauren's call regarding her concerns that her son was being groomed had not had the knowledge or training to deal with such a call and Lauren's call should have been directed to a specialist operator. The Surrey Police Department settled a damages payment with Lauren and Barry and they have also changed their practices. They introduced a child sexual exploitation and grooming checklist that now give call handlers the right questions to ask and the right procedures to follow to make sure that a situation like this won't happen again. Lauren has since started the Breck Foundation, where she strongly advocates for keeping children safe online. The message from the foundation is to play virtually, but to live real and only meet up with people from the online games that you know. Lauren has been a key player in raising awareness around internet safety and in 2018, Lauren and the Leicestershire Police made a short film about Breck's murder to help raise awareness among boys of the dangers of child sexual exploitation. The film is called Breck's Last Game and there have been two final edits of the film, one that depicts a knife scene and one that doesn't. This is because the film is shown at schools and has been given to education providers to teach young, impressionable children about the dangers of playing online. The two different edits of the film were done to ensure that it was suitable for all age groups. Breck's mother Lauren also features in the film, and she has said, quote, Breck's story shows how easily grooming can happen. He met the predator through an online friendship group and would have been flattered to have an intelligent, older mentor helping him expand his gaming skills. At the time, I believe the offender was older than he was because he was so controlling and manipulative, even with me. So it's important for young people to realise not only that predators lie about their age, where they live or who they are online, they can also be a similar age to the victim. They're not always the stereotypical creepy old guy. It's so important for us to raise awareness of the fact that boys can be groomed too. Breck's case came after international media surrounded the Rochdale and Rotherham cases where the victims were all girls. His version wasn't the typical type of grooming people have heard about in the news. His story shows even regular schoolboys can make mistakes if they aren't educated to recognise the signs of grooming and exploitation. If anyone is interested in watching the short film Breck's Last Game, I've linked it um, at the top of the description box or you can search Breck's Last Game on YouTube and it comes up. Lauren says that she hopes that through the Breck's Last Game campaign, young people will take on the real life lessons from Breck's story so they are able to look after each other, keep safe and reach their full potentials. She said that the intention of the campaign is to educate young people so that they are empowered to make safer choices for themselves online. Thank you everyone for listening to today's episode. As always, you can find us on social media and if you want extra content and to support the show, you can find us on Patreon by searching for Infraction. Thank you very much. We'll speak to you soon. Bye.